I'm I'm just gonna read this whole chapter because it's all very, very good. Mm. No one said anything. Silent agreement, except for Cassie. Her eyes got wide. She began to stand up. None of you guys are really thinking about this, she said in a voice that made a couple of older kids sitting at the table next to ours look up. Shh. No, she said. It's wrong. I won't. I don't want to judge you guys, but you're talking about strategy and risk, like this is some computer game. Like there aren't others involved. Have you forgotten that we're supposed to be in this to save lives? Jake put his hand on her shoulder and gently encouraged her to sit back down. No one seemed to know what to say. She continued. She spoke very quietly, but urgently. Has anyone stopped to think that we'll be responsible for the death of hundreds, maybe thousands of people? People who already suffer the worst fate imaginable. And not that any of you care, but we'll be killing thousands of defenseless Yerks right along with them. My god, you mean we'd be killing Yerks? Marco said with a straight face. That's... that's unthinkable. No one laughed. Let her finish, Rachel whispered. They're not all like Visser 3, Cassie went on. We know that. Some of the Yerks and controllers are ki just kids like us. They never had a chance. They participate or they're eliminated, and it's not like they get the information they need to make an informed decision. If you'd been raised since birth on Empire propaganda, you'd fight to take over Earth, too. You make an interesting argument, Axe said through a mouthful of nachos. But there are a lot of inconsistencies between what you say and what you do. He swallowed noisily. How can you make this argument knowing what you've done in the past? That's different, Cassie responded forcefully. I'm not against defending myself and you guys. I hate violence, but self-defense is justified in all societies. Unlike murdering people. Killing slugs, Marco corrected. Killing Yerks when they're defenseless, when they're not engaged in battle, when they're not actively threatening our lives. No, you don't. Why can't you? Can't you see? She stopped. I could almost feel the passion radiating from her body. It's, it's just not right. But they are threatening our lives, Rachel insisted. Not just ours, everyone's, just by being who they are. Yeah, and why do you think they're at the Yerk pool, Marco pointed, put in. I can tell you this much. It's not because they're planning Earth Day activities. Look, during World War II, we bombed factories and highways and railroads, Jake said. Even regular cities. Just because someone's not wearing a uniform or carrying a weapon doesn't mean they're not fighting a war. I know this plan is bad, Cassie, but we've got to think of the big picture. He looked at her and touched her shoulder again. Yes, Axe said calmly. The Yerk Pool is a command and control center. It is central to Yerk military activity. They recharge there so they can continue their conquest. Not true, Cassie insisted, regaining her voice. She leaned forward. What about Tidwell and the others like him in the peace movement? They have to go to the pool because they'll die if they don't feed. For them, it's no different than eating. The peace movement Yerks are a small minority, Jake countered boldly. We can't really consider them, except maybe to warn them. Not consider them, Cassie repeated disbelievingly. What if your brother's at the pool when the gas explodes? Jake looked at his hands. I guess it's a sacrifice I have to deal with in order to protect thousands more, Jake said, his voice now expressionless. Jake, I don't believe you. You should, he said, looking back to Cassie, to me. Besides, family involvement doesn't really come into play here. It can't. 
the Yerk pool is a target. End of discussion. It's not like we're bombing a bunch of innocent people at the mall on a Friday afternoon. Again, I looked at the people all around us. Families, couples, kids like us, enjoying themselves, here to see a movie, meet their friends, shop for clothes. They'd done the jobs they had to do at work or at school. Now was their chance to relax, have fun. Cassie looked around the food court, too, and then back at Jake. Isn't it? And like... Ugh! It's so good. It's so good. And I love that this is one of the... and it feels like the fucking first time the books have given Cassie the grace of an argument that doesn't make her sound like an asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, or naive. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the counter-arguments within it, like, although Axe is described like, or oh, eating and doing it, he's not mocking her position. It feels like he's genuinely asking, how do you reconcile these two things? Mm-hmm. Everyone is giving her the chance to speak. Nobody is, like, rolling their eyes at her. Everyone is giving her words the weight and space they deserve, even if they're disagreeing, even if they're offering counterpoints, even though they don't agree. Mm -hmm. And we've been, and of course, as well as Cassie being the heart and everything, and the, she's been in the yerk pool. Mm -hmm. She knows what it's like in there. How it is no different than people just going to the mall, spending time with their friends. Mm -hmm. For her, it isn't an arbitrary theoretical. This is like pure empathy on her part. She's been there. She knows. And when we think about how far we've come from Jake cooking a hot tub for worth of mm -hmm. yurks to talking about the destruction of the yurk pool and like yeah no well if tom dies i have to deal with that trauma thanks for bringing it up i was aware it was a possibility but the way he shuts down to protect himself because mm -hmm. that is a horrible thing to have to think about yep and of course it's rachel and marco just like i can't afford to think about the small percentage of yurks that are peaceful mm -hmm. and rachel being the same way she's like no well we've got to think about it it's the target it's the enemy because if you start thinking about all the people that don't have a choice in the matter it becomes so much harder to do the shitty thing to think about the shitty thing which is mm -hmm. always what marco and rachel have to do mm -hmm. is to think about the shitty things to do the shitty things yeah. And it's it's such a no-win situation too. Because mm -hmm. like it, Cassie is right that there are some yurks are more innocent than others, right? Some mm -hmm. yurks are born into it and they don't question it and that's just what their life is like um until they come across something that radically changes their worldview, right? Um, 
you know, we've seen that with Ilum and Tidwell. We saw that with Aftran and Cassie, right? You can break through that programming. Um, and it takes even, time, though. It does take time. And we know that even before Cassie and Aftran, there was, there is a peace movement happening. Aftran didn't start it. Um, and so there are Yerks who are out there relatively independently realizing like, hmm, yeah, no, this ain't right. Um, yeah. because the truth is that like, it is, it is a war in every sense of the word, right? Just the fact that the Yerks are there infesting people means that they are actively doing violence to humans. Um, and when it's put that way, like, you have to think, yeah, actively attacking them is, in its own way, self-defense. Because they attacked us first. Um, and this whole conversation that I really appreciate that the writers have Jake bring up about like how in the war was it World War Two, like there was bombings on uh factories and highways and railroads. Mm -hmm. Um and I'm just quickly looking up uh some dates uh because one of the things that looms very large in UK history uh, is the the Blitz, mm -hmm. the like the mass air raids on London mm -hmm. and Kent. Like I live not far from London. Like they do sometimes periodically still find unexploded ordnance in people's gardens, not mm -hmm. far from where I live. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, and how, like, this was like a two-year bombing campaign. Um, and But also, like, the return of, of the attack on um, Dresden uh, in Germany, which was four raids. Uh, mm -hmm. Just, uh, I'm just looking at the dates. Where, and this was, I'm not entirely sure about what was in Dresden. It was just the capital of Saxony, um, whether it was worth, doing because of so many civilians were mm -hmm. killed during the Dresden bombing. And if Wikipedia is to be believed, um, the bombing of Dresden resulted in the deaths of between 22 and 25,000 people, mm. they estimate. Over the course of the Blitz, which was a longer time, but they believe forty to forty-three thousand civilians were killed. Mm -hmm. um, between forty-six thousand and one hundred and thirty-nine thousand were injured. Two million homes were damaged or destroyed. Mm -hmm. And that's the reality of warfare. Mm -hmm. And that's not even before we get into mentioning um, the bombs that were dropped on Japan at the mm -hmm. end of World War Two. Which was entirely about showing, hey, we can do this. Yep. Which is its own different flavor of awful yep. and nightmarish. Yeah. Whereas I feel like the Blitz and Dresden feels like more of an apt comparison to make here. Mm -hmm. But what the kids are talking about here, like this is, 
clearly, I say clearly, this is like, uh, this is a conversation about war in general. This isn't just about one mission. This is the whole thing these children are having to do. Mm -hmm. Like the ethics of war. Mm -hmm. And that's having to be discussed by a group of teenagers in a fucking mall. Yep. And the dissonance of that makes it, it's incredibly powerful. Yep. And I'm really grateful to Ellen Drow for giving this conversation the respect and weight that I feel it deserves to have. Because regardless of if you agree with any of the kids in this, I don't think the narrative is trying to tell you who's right. Mm -hmm. Unlike in previous instances where it feels like maybe they clearly want you to side with somebody. Mm -hmm. And yeah. just like the little detail of Rachel being the one that was whispering, just like, let her speak. Mm -hmm. Who yeah. here is sad about Cassie and Rachel's friendship? Me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It's, it's just so much. And it's very important also mm. that it's not just... It's not just brushed away, right? Like, mm -hmm. no, we, we don't just say, yeah, we're going to bomb the Yerk pool and stop thinking about what that means. Like, yeah, um, the weight of what this would mean, it hangs over the rest of the book. Yes. For sure. Yeah. Um, now, there is the detail revealed as we start the next chapter. I'm not to, to rush us on, just like, no, yeah. is that Cassie decides to sit out the mission. Um, this will come relevant plot wise. This is Chekhov's mm -hmm. sitting out the mission. Um, <laughs> because this is an interesting thing because I feel like Cassie going, and this is my cr a critique of the, the writing of the position, not of Cassie's choice, to be clear. Her sitting out means nothing. Mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of things. It's just reflective of her personal choice. Mm -hmm. And the fact that what Cassie ends up doing is proving just like, yeah, she doesn't want to do the big horrible thing, but is willing to do a smaller horrible thing. Clearly not just in self-defense, to be clear. Mm -hmm. um, and it fucks her up. And mm -hmm. I appreciate that the book is like, yeah, nah, this messed her up. Cassie, um, let me think like, we don't see the fallout fight, but, uh, spoilers for the end. Cassie is the only person and the only one of the animals that kills anyone in this book. Mm hmm. Well, and Axe the kills the taxon. Axe kills the taxon. Axe does kill the taxon. My apologies. But that's it. <laughs> yeah. But that's also a non yerked taxon. Mm hmm. And that is in self defense. Mm hmm. So. But I suppose this is all kinds of like the things we are willing to do and the things we aren't willing to do mm -hmm. and how, and I appreciate that what Cassie has to do at the end is painted as just a as just as a horrible thing that, mm -hmm. and the weight that she's going to carry for doing it as 
any of the other experiences the kids have gone through. I said, as I said before, it's like this conversation in the mall. Cassie's actions are given the weight they deserve. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Cassie sets out the mission. Um, and uh, Tobias mentions that he thought about setting out himself. But then he puts the weight back on, like, who would be around to figure out Taylor? Like, the others could definitely deal with Taylor without you, buddy. Like, the thought of what that mission would have looked like if Tobias had been sitting out with Cassie is an interesting thought experiment, frankly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because, like, he, he says, who would be there to watch for sabotage Literally no one trusts her. <laughs> uh, Again, this is the hypervigilance talking. Mm-hmm. So, well, it's got to be me. I, I, I know. The fact I went through torture has to mean something. Uh-huh. Um, <gasps> but Tobias and X are the ones to acquire the taxons. Um, we don't really learn why they were the two determined to do that um but it doesn't matter uh because if rachel had been one of the ones to morph tax on taylor would have got eaten earlier in the night <laughs> let's be clear <laughs> this is true um <laughs> uh and so tobias and x are you know we have a little bit of bonding between them as they kind of search out this place there's a pumping station that is close to the dig site where they will be actively digging. Um, and the pump station is their meeting point. They land, Axe demorphs, Tobias morphs, um, until they are both Andalite. Uh, this and is so fucking cute. It's super this cute. This is so fucking cute. Um, and I love. I love how much Tobias likes being an Andalite. Mm-hmm. Um, like, he says straight up, I like the way Andalite more feels. It's about strength and agility, a focused yet playful mind, an unwavering optimism that's invaluable when you're up against pure evil and when you have depression. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when you're trapped as a hawk and you can only think bad things about yourself. <laughs> you ever um, experience gender euphoria but you know as a morph <laughs> um and <laughs> axe gives tobias a, a haircut <laughs> so they um, so, it's weird. so they don't look exactly the same yeah um, um he calls it unsweet this is incredible like this is like a ritual punishment thing like because then you as a um, a cadet, an Arith's, um, you, you have to sit with your mistake until the haircut grows out and you learn from it in the process. And mm -hmm. next being like, I'm sorry, this is the only haircut I know how to do. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> there's something actually about, like, I will rag on and like military culture every day. It's fun. Mm -hmm. But 
I actually do think this kind of punishment is mm -hmm. actually very good. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. I can see why that would be done. Like, cause that's a learning curve. It's just like, you're not, this is it. People will know you fucked up and you will know you fucked up. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have to deal with that. Mm -hmm. I think that's actually quite effective. And mm -hmm. I could see how that would be useful. So many punitive punishments serve no purpose. Right. They're just about, like, administering some kind of perceived justice. Whereas this is just, like, especially for, like, students, effectively. Like, I've heard mm -hmm. stories of much worse things coming out of people who've gone through military training. So, <laughs> but effectively being given a bowl cut to show to embarrass <laughs> you into not doing it again. Yep. Kind of dig yep. it. Yep. Uh, and Tobias just straight up asking Axe, do I deserve unsweet? <laughs> like, Tobias, my buddy. Kiddo, no. <laughs> no. Uh, I do love Axe immediately shuts it down. No. But this is the only way I know how to cover. Sorry. <laughs> um, so they go to the pump station. Taylor just kind this, of steps out of nowhere. This fucking dramatic bitch. I swear to Christ. <laughs> Dark leather, head to toe, tall boots, long hair tucked into a collar. Um, it's described as good by preppy Hello Soldier. This is not even subtly some peak fucking SS vibes. Mm, mm -hmm. Like, that's not even subtle. Like, <laughs> this is not described as, like, goth, like, or anything like that. This is, like, one step away from jackboots mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and a cap. Like, it's that detail, I think, of the leather collar as well. Mm -hmm. and the fact that she is, like, this beautiful blonde woman. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> I know writers who use subtext in their cowards. <laughs> no. Yep. Uh and she's here to deliver a present. She has brought them a taxon. Uh very big and very mean. <laughs> I do but wonder she... if it's the taxon we saw before. I like, wonder, yeah. Because uh. it's described as being so mean. Mm hmm. That wasn't an alternate reality. Oh, shit, it was, wasn't it? <laughs> ah. um, so, I'm, Danielle, how am I supposed to be expected <laughs> to keep this shit on lockdown? It's just. <laughs> but yeah, either way, this taxon has been hidden down a sewer? Yeah, it's like. Yeah, they have to go down a manhole in order to get to it. She's just like, yeah, it's down there. Are you going to bring him up? No, go get him. <laughs> like <laughs> There's also something again, and you gotta wonder if this is partially like a power play, like what mm -hmm. Tobias did to her. Because as an ant like like a four legged creature, you have to jump down a hole into the dark. Mm-hmm. Have fun. Yep. <laughs> and we know that Andalites are claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. Uh and don't like being underground. Mm -hmm. and being unable to see the sky so like it's very mm -hmm. much and you know in addition to the 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 power play of like oh yeah there's this heavy door that theoretically i could just push back over the hole you jump down in and you'd be stuck like mm -hmm. 
It's a oh. it is a mind game. Yes, for sure. But uh, Axe Axe steps up. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to say that makes it sound like he never does, but he goes first. Sort of like leads the way. Yeah. I, um, I and definitely he, he's looking out so much for Tobias here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Shorty. I was gonna say that's I just you very much get the sense that he is doing everything he can to try to protect Tobias um in this shitty situation. Um uh, but yeah, they go down into the dark. Um and Tobias finds the taxon by like he puts his hand out to his side because he senses something over there. And then he just puts his hand basically directly in this taxon's mouth. Uh and the taxon begins to eat him. Yeah, this is full like garbage disposal visual being painted here. Yeah, it's it's very much <laughs> he describes it as being caught in a slow motion wood chipper. Like God. Um, and Axe comes to his rescue. <laughs> but Axe is like, hurry, I fear I may have mortally wounded the taxon. <laughs> um, it's okay, Axe. We've all been desperate to protect our friends and accidentally <laughs> done more damage than we meant to. It's we also love our not. Friends too. Also, it's, it's not dark, hard to And it's mortal- not hard to mortally wound a taxon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um uh so Axe morphs the Axe acquires a taxon, Tobias demorphs and acquires a taxon. Um there's a a strange moment of uh something that is uh, almost assuredly entirely in his head of feeling the DNA screaming at him on some microscopic level. Um and uh then the taxon dies, uh, and it only lives on in them anymore. Uh, it is so poetic. He is God. Um, and we cut to a following morning. Um, not necessarily the next morning, but soon after. Um. Uh, Tobias. And Marco meet up above the uh, meeting place. Basically, Jake told Taylor, like, do not show up before 8 a.m. Or everything is, like, called off completely. Uh, And this is in order to allow the Animorphs to get into place and morph. Uh, Tobias is late because he tried to catch breakfast and failed. Um. He spotted a gray squirrel, uh, tried to catch it, kind of had to follow it to the ground, lost his grip. Um, and then the squirrel bit him. <laughs> Just, um, and so he lost his food. He's going into this hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, which may inform why he handles it so poorly. Uh, uh, we do get, like, this banter between him and Marco as he arrives. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And, uh, but this calls back to us like Marco's teasing of Tobias, the acknowledgement of it, mm-hmm. just like his way of helping keep Tobias as much as ease as possible. Yes. Um, 
I do appreciate that he admits to Rachel when she notices that he's bleeding. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't answer at first. I didn't feel like explaining, but Rachel's concern was genuine. It wasn't fair to blow her off. Um, and he said, he like flew at breakfast sometimes by its back. And Marco's just like, you're telling me I was looking in the toaster to see if my pop tart was out and the thing shot out and hit me in the eye. Um, <laughs> which is very good. Yep. Um, and Cassie wants to take a look at it because she's there. Mm-hmm. Um, although she's not going on the mission, she wants to know where they were digging. Tobias is the one who voices like, in case we didn't come back. Um, and Cassie being there was a little awkward, maybe at least so for me. I don't know. She wasn't there to wish us luck. And although Jake always gives us the option, it's really rare that one of us decides not to fight. Um, but hey, Jake's like, oh, well, maybe you should just morph to get rid of the injury. And then Tobias like, I've got to go first. Ah. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, this is the thing that I've got to do. Yep. Um. They've got hold of a nice uh, Timex triathlon timepiece um, that Rachel... I love Rachel just picked a fucking stylish brand name watch <laughs> um, because, of course, she did. Um, but it's something that he... Just the fucking visual of an Andalite wearing a wristwatch around one leg is... Mm-hmm. It's so good. But we mm-hmm. do get the detail that um, Axe uh, was, is worried that the... Um, the tax on Morph will throw off his internal clock. Which it does. Uh, good foresight. Mm-hmm. Why? <laughs> Great job. Um, but they, uh, he goes over to the manhole cover because they're like, we should start digging. Axe goes over, lifts the, uh, uh, the manhole cover off, flips it over with his tail. And this 50 pound fucking <laughs> uh, manhole cover just like, tumbles through the air he just lands with a thud like inches from jake's feet and he's just like smooth you should work for the city <laughs> and i just i have pre this these little moments of levity and just like real humanization moments are just very fun and good mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh tobias goes down into the hole to morph which is smart uh and uh he he morphs. Axe tells him, like, you're probably not going to be able to control it. Just kind of, like... Direct it. Direct it in a direction. <laughs> yeah, um, I like that we get that. Idea. Don't try to stop the feeling or overcome it. Just direct it away. Because mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to, like, to come back to the stream. You're not going to be able to stop the flow of water, but you can divert it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he morphs the taxon. It's gross. Um, and bad. And bad. Uh, and, uh, we... <laughs> then all at once I felt it coming. An unstoppable tidal wave riding up the shore. Insane, insane hunger. Desperate, all-consuming hunger. Like nothing you can begin to imagine. It reared up larger than any urge I had ever experienced blocking out everything else. Everything. I could smell the others, up above ground. I knew exactly where they stood. I heard vibrations, their feet through the soil. I was over ten feet long, long enough to crawl up and squirm through the hole. I pictured Marco, and the next thing I knew, I imagined him in my mouth, his soft tan flesh sawed up, swallowed. 
and Jake, bigger, and Axe. My worm body lunged for the hole before I could stop it, before I could think. I didn't know what was happening. The smell was so strong, the imagined taste so real, the taxon mind so in need. Noxious digestive acid poured from my mouth. My soft head pushed against the iron cover Marco and Jake had partially put back in place. I would devour them. Lunge and devour. Marco and Jake and Axe and... Rachel. My taxon body twitched. The thought of even more food excited it. But something, something way in the back of my mind, way deep in there, spoke out. Rachel? I stopped. I heard something, the tiny, insignificant voice of a kid. Tobias, the human in me, was struggling to make his presence known. Somewhere beneath the taxon's evil and unimaginable power, the kid in me was ranting like a lunatic. Stop, he cried. Stop, stop, stop. I can't say that I regained control. That would be a lie. Like saying that the captain of a sailboat can take control of a storm. But somehow... I steered the enormous beast away from the other animorphs. Somehow. It was impossible to stop the hunger. Impossible to slow it down. But Axe had told me I could focus it on something else. Okay. I turned it to the job at hand. We had heard that the taxon was a great digger, but that's not true. Not exactly. The taxon is great at one thing. Eating. Suddenly... Ravenously, I began to devour the dirt beside the hole Taylor's people had jackhammered in the concrete pipe. I turned the full force of the taxon's hunger on the dirt. I was inhaling soil like I hadn't eaten in 40 days. I bit off large chunks, coated them with digestive enzymes, and swallowed the sticky globs. Bite after bite after bite after bite. The taxon was insatiable. In no time at all, I had excavated a body-sized chamber. Dirt walls grew up around me as I lunged and gobbled and swallowed and secreted. That's right, secreted. I was scarfing down pounds per second. I was the dump truck hauling away the excavated dirt. I was an all-in-one machine, earth mover waste disposal system. And that waste, that soil byproduct, passed out of my taxon body as a thick, sludgy layer a goo that coated all surfaces of the tunnel and began to develop as I tried desperately to satisfy an unsatisfiable hunger. Tobias? Ugh. Man, what's that stench? Jake's voice reached me as a weak distraction, a vague disturbance. Tobias, are you okay down there? I ignored him. I just kept eating, or digging, just like an earthworm, passing dirt right through my system to extract the organic material. Except that unlike an earthworm, I had a ring of razor teeth to speed things up. <sniffs> Multiply an earthworm's speed and size by about a million and you begin to get the picture. Except that with a taxon, there's no hope of satisfying the hunger with dirt. Not even momentarily. There aren't enough nutrients in the soil. Just enough to smell. To trigger the urge to eat. Just enough to keep me wanting more. Look at him move. It was Marco's voice. They were nearer now. They must have dropped into the sewer. He can't get no, Marco gasped, possibly from the stink of my secretion. Satisfaction, he gasped again. The longer I dug, the hungrier and more frantic I got. I didn't learn until later that a taxon will dig, 
starved and exhausted until he dies. Tobias, Rachel called in thought speak. She had already morphed. The others must be right behind her. Answer us. Say something. More. Tobias, time's up, man. Take a break. Demorph. Jake, the reminder of human flesh was more than I could resist. I sped backwards, sloshing through the goo, racing toward the others. I flew out of the hole into the underground area. A slithering worm. Massive. Starved. Desperate. My compound eyes filled with the broken blue form of an andalite, the hulking masses of a gorilla and a grizzly bear, the sharp stripes of a tiger, no pink flesh, no soft pink flesh. I'd make do. Uh, and he tries to eat Axe. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and... Well, briefly, he goes for Axe. Yes. Um, or he's thinking about going. You know, he does go. He, um, he rushes him. And then, hey, Taylor's there. Um, and immediately she's just like, well, you know, that's a not dangerous thing to try and eat. Yep. Um, and how easy it would be to eat her. And she pulls out a dragon beam. Um, and it's just like, if you do it, I'll fry you on setting six. And Axe, you gave us your word. You promised not to use a setting higher than three. Did I? Then try and stop me. I'd love to have an excuse to finish you off. But then if you're the coward I know, you'd rather be stuck as a tax on no than die with courage. And she's baiting him mm -hmm. hard. Um, and he's like, his, his tax on hunger fused with human hatred. I realized how much easier it would be to eat her than to fight the urge. How much easier it would be even to die than to face the face Yurt girl, this monster who haunted me day and night with contempt, arrogance, power over me. Had it been like this at the Yurk pool, deep beneath the murderous hunger, my mind wondered. Have I overstayed the two-hour time limit so I wouldn't have to face the simple facts of life? Being a boy, living with foster parents at school, Rachel, Taylor... And Marco grabs grabs hold of him gently, attempting to stop him. Uh, to buy, uh, Rachel calls out to him, but doesn't block his path. <laughs> we love her. Uh, and is like, still like, was I a coward? In the world, there is only life or death. You feed your belly or you die. Success is survival. Failure is death. It's simple. There's no middle ground, at least not for very long. Was I a coward? I hated Taylor because she knew the answer to that question because she saw weakness in me. She saw it because she was weak herself. People recognize their own kind. She'd sold out to save face, literally. She had become a voluntary controller and betrayed her own mother because she wanted to be pretty again. It was beyond sad. It was pathetic. Was I different or was I just like her? I trapped myself. Why? I hated Taylor because she knew I was going to destroy her. Uh, and he rushes her. She fires the uh, dragon beam. Uh, it's not strong enough to kill him, but it does paralyze the body long enough that he can get control and begin to demorph. Uh, and as he's doing so, he realizes that she's going to see um, him go from taxon to bird. And he refuses to slip up again. So he's trying to focus to morph directly from taxon to andalite. 
and the second any part of him is Hawk, he's focusing on making it go to Andalite. Uh, it was excruciating, exhausting, and probably not very convincing. But uh, Rachel and Marco have got her backed against a wall, blocking her view. Uh, Jake is keeping guard um, and is talking to her to keep her keep Taylor's focus. Um, it says like this reveal, like I said, you could carry a dragon beam for protection, but we had an agreement you would not fire above setting three. Yeah, well, it didn't even work. What's wrong with this beam? And Jake's just like, to Tobias, Axe saved your butt. He modified her weapon so it wouldn't fire beyond setting three. <laughs> um, and Rachel is like, no, she lied. Uh, strike one. She'd have fried you if she could. Um, I say we end this right here. And Tobias, she's like, no, it's okay. I'm fine. Maybe she knew she t you tampered with it. Maybe she was just playing it up to scare me. And Axe is just like, she did not know. Um, and he changes position so he can give uh, Tobias the little tail blade trim again. Um, and Tobias, while I was about to take a bite out of her, she acted in self-defense. And Mark is like, she knows that's why we're here, to keep you under control, even if it means killing you. Well... Why was I making excuses for her? Why? I couldn't make any more. She wasn't my friend. She wasn't my kind. We made a deal with the devil, and the devil had just shown herself for what she was. She's going to get us Vista 3, I said. Remember? That's what this is about. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's Axis turned to morph. Um, and Tobias is like, it's way worse than you thought. <laughs> Just let the taxon smell the soil uh, and try not to think about us. And Axe is like, I will try my best. Uh, I have done some amount of research on this. The results were not encouraging, but we're, it'll be <laughs> fine. Uh, the, the morph from Andalite to Taxon is even worse because he like melts into goo and then reforms into the Taxon. Um, and uh then uh everyone is like waiting for him to to freak out with hunger but he somehow managed to trigger tax on hibernation and the reveal later of what that hibernation is is so sick but he gets off digging he goes off digging um and uh taylor uh, having her favorite plaything back, uh, decides to dig in. Uh, did you like it, Andalite? The voice came from the far corner of the chamber where the gigantic steel gas main intersected it. Taylor leaned against the pipe. She was the only one who looked relaxed. Well, did I like what, I said. Being a taxon, silly, I bet you did. Some individuals are cut out to be lower life forms. You'd know about that, Rachel said angrily. No living thing is lower than a yerk. A low growl rumbled through her bared fangs. You know I'm right, Taylor said to Rachel. You know this one is weak. She gestured at me. I'll show you weak, Rachel slashed the air. You wouldn't dare. Hurt me and there's no explosion. You won't let this opportunity pass. You won't let emotions get in the way. You Andalite bandits, you're too much like us. Rachel growled and snapped her jaws, but backed away. 
Taylor's words hung in my mind. This was a Yerk plan. Every deadly detail was Yerk. Mass destruction. No provisions to protect the innocent. That was to be expected, I guess. But we'd jumped on board. Is she right? I said privately to Rachel. Are you crazy? The way you live, the things you do? I don't know anyone stronger. You're not weak. No, not that. I mean about us being like her. Opportunists of the worst kind. Rachel let out a small roar. She rolled her head, huge head from side to side. I'm sick and tired of this are-we-doing-the-right-thing self-doubt crap, she announced in thought-speak that everyone but Taylor could hear. The Yerks are killing people. They're destroying Earth. Hello? What's gotten into you guys? If someone starts shooting up your town and you shoot back in self-defense, do you ask if it's justified? Marco was uncharacteristically silent. Jake paced back and forth, a big cat in a small, confining cage. I moved nearer to Rachel, brushing Jake in the process. He let out a repressed snarl. Watch it! What's wrong with everybody? Rachel asked me. Everyone's falling apart. It could be her, I said, looking at Taylor with both stock eyes, keeping my main eyes on Rachel. She has a way of setting the mood. Or maybe, I said, maybe we're in too deep and we know it. Don't talk like that. After tonight, it's going to be different. We'll fry the yerk pool, the balance will tip, we'll drive them out. She was getting excited again, the way she does when she talks about the fight. But she sounded a little desperate, too, like she needed to convince me, and herself. Then what? I said. We could be together. She paused. All of us, I mean. Do normal stuff. Yeah, I said. Rachel, do we know how many yerks there really are? On the Andalite homeworld, invading other species? What if it's never over? Sure, maybe we'll pull this off today, but it doesn't change our numbers. There are still only six of us. One, two, three, four. Stop it, she yelled suddenly. Tobias, I can't get the image out of my head. The way it will play out tonight. A yerk pool full of hosts. Humans and hork They smell natural gas. They feel it pouring in. They look around, up, confused, puzzled. They start to worry, panic. The smell gets so strong, they can't breathe, and they know. They know natural gas can blow. They run, too late. Suddenly, kaboom! A scorching, burning fireball destroys everything it touches. They're vaporized. Cassie was right. They're yurks, I said. They're humans, too. I thought of all the stories Axe had told us, of entire planets enslaved, of how what couldn't be enslaved was killed of great and peaceful societies destroyed by yurks. A yurk was in the corner, not twenty feet away, a creature capable of the greatest evil, cowardly hiding inside a human so that no one would see the threat. How many were there now? Thousands? Fewer? More? Every day there were more human slaves. It was my first thought in the morning and my last thought before I slept. They'd killed Elfangor, my father, the father I never knew. The day would come when there would be no one left, an entire planet erased. I couldn't let that happen. They're yurks, I repeated. That's all. This chapter goes so fucking hard. Yeah. It is so Look, much. This the book also doesn't let up. Like, uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, part of me does wonder about like 
the effect of of how much of this is them being influenced by Taylor's presence um because they are all a bunch of very empathetic people mm-hmm. to be fair and also how much of it is being stuck underground with nothing to think about except what they're willing to do mhm and how it's just making all of them go a little stir crazy yep yep because there's nothing to do but sit and wait for hours mm-hmm. um and I I love this insight into Rachel in how she needs to believe that she's doing the right thing or at least that it will be worth something, right? That yeah. if they're doing this horrible thing that uh, it because well, otherwise she the is the monster, of... right? That they just look, that they look at her for, like mm-hmm. that she feels judged for. If it isn't going to pay off, then she's a monster for nothing. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, and I like how even Marco is quiet on this, like. Marco will argue what needs to be done, but at the end, it's still awful. And he knows that. Yeah. Everyone knows that. Um, but, yeah. It's just so much. And then... Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then... Uh, Jake, Rachel... And Marco all need to demorph and remorph, and Rachel needs to go check in at home. So they leave Tobias alone with Taylor. Like, I recognize that they need to do this, but there, there had to have been a different way to do this. This is one of these (laughs) moments where, like, Cassie would never have left him on his own with her. Yeah. She'd be like, you guys go ahead, I'll demorph when you get back, I can morph faster than everybody anyway. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, but holy shit. You can't... The... <sighs> My poor I boy. Suppose this is one of those moments where it illustrates just how much that they're children. Mm-hmm. And although they've gone through some truly heinous shit, none of them have been through quite what, um, quite through quite what Tobias has. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things. Like, I d- I don't like. T- I worry about drawing parallels, but because they haven't got the experience or the fear in the same way, like. If you know somebody is a survivor of a certain kind of assault, you wouldn't leave them alone with that person mm-hmm. who assaulted them or in a situation that's like it. Mm-hmm. Because you have the emotional awareness and the experience to know. Right. 
Or maybe it just proves like just how much the kids are all caught up in what they're having to do. Mm-hmm. Because he isn't left alone with her for long in this moment. Mm-hmm. It's just unfortunately long enough. Yep. Um, and to be clear, if they had made a deal about it and been like, no, we got to make sure we don't leave you alone with her, he would absolutely throw a fit about it. Oh, like, yeah. He would, he would absolutely be like, they think I'm weak. They think I can't handle this. Blah, 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 blah. Um, and <laughs> it's, it's, they cannot win in this situation. Um, but Taylor takes the opportunity, because of course she does, to try to get into Tobias's head. <laughs> 